welcome everyone to another episode of our podcast traveling time with books this podcast is now on audible spotify and all other major audio platforms so please feel free to tune in to your favorite uh, audio platforms and find us there today we have the prolific and acclaimed writer rakshanda jalil as our guest Rakshanda is a writer, critic, and literary historian who has written, translated, and edited a diverse range of books. Her PhD on the progressive writers' movement, as reflected in Urdu literature, has been published as "Liking Progress, Loving Change." She also runs an organization called Hindustani Awaz, devoted to the popularization of Hindi-Urdu literature and culture. But most of all, Rakshanda has made an enormous contribution to the world of Urdu literature in bringing to us so many different aspects of the language and its literary history. So, no better way to end this introduction than by this share uh, by Bashir Badar Sahab. वो इत्र दान सा लहजा मेरे बुजुर्गों का वो इत्र दान सा लहजा मेरे बुजुर्गों का रची बसी हुई उर्दू ज़बान की खुशबू ये खुशबू हम तक पहुंचाने के लिए बहुत बहुत शुक्रिया रक्षंदा एंड थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर ज्वाइनिंग अस हियर टुडे थैंक यू निधि थैंक यू कामनी लुकिंग फॉरवर्ड वेरी मच टू दिस कन्वर्सेशन ग्रेट थैंक यू नाउ गिवन रक्षंदास ब्रेथ ऑफ वर्क वी टेक अ स्लाइटली डिफरेंट अप्रोच फ्रॉम आवर यूजुअल पॉडकास्ट ऑफ फोकसिंग ऑन वन बुक बाय द ऑथर and instead use this opportunity to discuss a small body of books written edited and translated by yudakshanda and that nidhi and i have read uh, so some of these are but you don't look like a muslim and the rebel and the cause written by rakshanda new writings in urdu from india and pakistan and preeto and other stories the male gaze in urdu which is edited by rakshanda and the sea lies ahead written by intezar hussain and footprints on zero line written by gulzar sahab both translated by rakshanda now rakshanda let's start with uh, your book the rebel and a cause which is a biography of rashid jahan one of the founding members of the progressive writers association the movement and the movement and a member of ikta first off i wanted to say that i really enjoyed the format of the book which includes both rashid jahan's biography about her life and your translation of her stories because unko padhte padhte unke bare mein padhte padhte and your references to her stories really whetted my appetite to read the story so i was actually sort of going back and forth reading a bit about her reading one of her stories it was really lovely uh, as yeah. a format um and you described rashid jahan in the book as in many ways as a woman of immense self assurance as headstrong and willful but also brave and compassionate and as one of her friends who you quote in the book says as someone who had magic and that magic was her khulus her sincerity but of course as the title says you describe her most of all as a rebel as someone who defied the expectations of the time and created her own path now the need for women to be or to become rebels of this type hasn't diminished in the many years between the times of dr jahan and now and yet very few are able to rebel given as you have undertaken this character study of dr jahan and also delved with ideas of feminism in multiple other books and writings i want to start by asking for your reflections on what it is that is the essential quality that makes a woman a rebel and what amongst the many inspiring qualities of rashid jahan 
stands to inspire feminists today? I think when a woman like Rashid Jahan looks around her and she's struck by inequalities, uh, they are, of course, socioeconomic, but they're also glaring ones of gender. And she decides to do something about it. I think that makes her a feminist. That makes her a very remarkable woman in many ways. Um, the inequalities also of <clears throat> educational possibilities. From a very young age, she's born to a family of educationists, I must tell you this. And from a very young age, she is uh, her parents had set up the women's college at Aligarh, which has now been absorbed into the Aligarh Muslim University. And this is where undergrad women students study. But when her parents set it up, it was a very modest school. Then it became a college. And now, of course, it's part of the university. So I think she was fortunate to have been born in a family where education was greatly prized and uh, given equally to the sons and the daughters in the family. But uh, Rashid Jaha was acutely conscious from a young age that this is not the norm. Rather, it is the exception. Uh, we're talking about the early, uh, the turn of the century, 1905 onwards. But I'm sorry to say that the gender gap has diminished, yes, in this past 150 years. Dark reality for very many uh, women in the Indian subcontinent. So I think a study of the life of a person such as Rashid Jaha is illustrative, it is illuminating, it is useful, it is instructive in many ways because Yes, there are battles that have been fought and won, but there are still many wars still to be fought. So the things that she's flagging our attention towards, you know, uh, many of them have, uh, we don't in theory have a glass ceiling in India and we are very fortunate. We never had a suffragette movement, you know, in the West, in the UK and the US, women had to, had to fight to get universal uh, voting rights. Men had it long before women had it. In India, we are very fortunate that in 1947, when we became a free country, the right to vote was given both to men and women, and it was never a struggle. Uh, maternity benefits, which people in the US are still struggling for, because the system is such that it keeps women out, uh, I mean, out of the workforce, and once they have children, they're encouraged to go back. In India, we have that given you know in place so there are many battles that have been fought the and won like i said but there are still uh, many things left to be done and it, it makes you both uh, sad and it makes you reflective when you read somebody like rashid jahan and you say that yes the world has changed but could it not have changed at a faster pace could it not have been more inclusive of women um, women's reproductive health, for example. Being a woman doctor, she's written many stories, you know, and uh, perhaps we don't have the time to go into those details, but uh, I just want to flag one particular play, Parte Ke uh, Please, It is yeah. about, uh, it's just a one-act play, minimal set, minimal props, two women, an older woman and a slightly younger woman in the Farash Khanna neighborhood in Old Delhi. Uh, and they're talking about reproductive health, you know, and it's sad that um, the agency that women should have over their bodies is not fully there even now, even in educated women, even with women from a certain social class. So the point is that, 
uh, you know, social class, education, literacy, uh, have bridged these differences, but some women sometimes still feel very imperiled uh, at the inability to produce a male heir, at the inability to remain attractive for their husbands, at the inability to, uh, let's say, uh, 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 beget healthy children. All these are things that are being flagged for our attention in the play Parde Ke Piche, written in 1932. And uh, it makes you sad, it makes you want to reflect that why many of these things have not changed. No, I, I completely agree with that sentiment, Rakshanda. And, you know, there is always uh, or rather often uh, when you look at some parts of history and you compare them with now, you find so many parallels and you're forced to think of this simultaneous truth that so much has changed and very little has changed. So so I, I agree with that. And one of the things that I found very compelling in Rashid Jahan's stories is this uh, is this visualization of the Sharif Khandan. Yes. Ki uske andar kya yeah. hota hai? Sharif Khandan ke andar kya hota hai? And, and aap, yeah, you know, you absolutely. refer to, yeah, you refer to Parde ke piche, even something very subtle like Dilli ki Sair, which says so little and says so much at the same time yes. uh, yeah. about the condition of women. women. So that, that is beautiful. But again, yeah. reflecting on this Sharif Khandan thing, you know, that even now, like you're saying, a lot of Sharif Khandan, so to say, are like that. They are still uh, places of uh, entrapment for women, uh, the lack of agency that you talk about. And I'm wondering if there is, you know, for women who live in those systems uh, of oppression within their families, within those Sharif Khandan, is there something that, that a person like uh, Rashid Jahan can can you know can say to them or is, is there something uh, that they can learn from from her model of life or or work yeah you know rashid jaha's uh, singular quality is that she's flagging these areas of concern for us uh, she's um, not uh, wagging a finger at society but in a very matter of fact way not in a rhetorical or didactic way she's uh, talking about things like the story you just mentioned which i I find very, very interesting. It's a short story, just two and a half pages. It's called Dilli Ki Sair. It's about a woman in Faridabad whose husband says, Chalo main tumko Dilli ki Sair kara ke lata hon. This mm -hmm. is at a time when Faridabad is not part of the NC NCR. It's uh, in fact another satellite town as it were. And you catch a train to come to Delhi to see the sights of the big city. But at the moment they get off the train, the husband happens to meet a friend and he just goes off, leaving her sitting uh, at the station, stranded, feeling very scared, very sort of, you know, um, uh, in awe of all the sights. And then he shows up after two, three hours. By then, she's very hungry, she's very thirsty, and she's completely tired. And she says, Tumhare saath kahi na jau, not even to heaven, and let's just go home, take me back. And she comes back home. But in her mohalla, in Faridabad, she is, remember, the only woman who has A, gone to Delhi, sat in a train so she's able to live off these two experiences forever and ever and she uh, lives on this story by narrating it to her uh, big uh, sisterhood of friends and neighbors and acquaintances who come from far and near to hear of the Dilli Ki Ser. Now Rashid Jaha is not making a statement out of any of this. It is what she's leaving unsaid that the story really rests on. 
What, it, what she leaves unsaid is the blindness of male privilege. The man goes off, leaving her there. He goes off with a friend, A. B, he goes off without a care as to what happens. C, he's not hungry or thirsty because he's met a friend and he's had some puris and halwas in a restaurant. And he asks her, Tumhare liye bhi la Meaning she, he can't take her to that restaurant, but he can fetch food for her from there. And she says, no, and let's just go home. So he's completely blind to the privileges he has. And his blindness makes him so, as it were, blasé as to uh, what this abortive trip means. Ser would mean ser sapata, as in going for a fun yeah. trip. And yet this is there is no ser sapata in this trip. There is no, there is no uh, seeing of the sights. All she sees is the inside of the Delhi railway station and she comes back, you know? So this blindness of, of men, uh, which, which continues in one form or the other, even the most enlightened men we know around us, display the occasional blindness of their own privilege of not being able to understand yeah. fathers the best of fathers are known to tell their daughters come home early come home before sunset you know because they have the best interests of their daughters they will not say the same to men so there is a privilege that that demarcates the lives of boys and girls within families within the same families you know and women will say, the nani dadis, the mothers will say, we are saying it for your own good. This is a statement all women have heard ad nauseum yeah. all their lives. You know, they say, hum badal sakte, but at least we can work for your interests. So every time the Nirbhaya case, for example, I heard it in Delhi, you know, that terrible rape of the young woman. Uh, a lot of these issues came to the fore, which had been bubbling away in society. And I heard good people at that point say that, you know, I can't change the society. I can't change the, the chief minister of Delhi, a good woman, a very, very good woman in every which way is saying, but yeah, it's better for girls to come back uh, 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 to their homes in the evening, you know. So there yeah. are these things that need to be done. There are these things that are in the nature of gender audits that societies, families, institutions need to do, you know, in order to make, rather than curb the freedoms that women have or should have, uh, the instinct to instead, um, you know, say, okay, you get back home early because the mm. world out there is not safe. I think mm. we need to talk more about talking to the boys in the family, the, the mm. in the institutions. So that, that I'm not saying it'll be an overnight thing, but it has to be a cumulative change. You know, for that, yeah. the instead of the curbs on women, I think more curbs on men maybe are the way forward, more sensitization uh, of men, of the, of the boys in the family or the extended network, you know, or, or institutions for that matter. I think those yeah. might be the need of the hour. Yeah, no, and, and fair point on what you're saying that in that sense, her contribution, her one big contribution of her is shining a light on male privilege, which is designed to be invisible to the privileged. So it's very, very hard for the privileged to be able to see their privilege. And she's in some ways in a non-judgmental way, at least shining a light to that. So we become aware uh, of it. 